Our reading today comes from uh, several passages in the New Testament, so it may be easier just to follow along in your bulletin. So if you'd like to turn there, we'll begin reading the passage in John chapter 3. For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. Again, Jesus spoke to them, saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but he will have the light of life. For while we were still weak, at the right time Christ died for the ungodly. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person one would dare even to die. But God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, Let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. And even if you should suffer for righteousness' sake, you will be blessed. Have no fear of them, nor be troubled. But in your hearts, honor Christ the Lord as holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for reason for the hope that is in you. Yet do it with gentleness and respect, having a good conscience, so that when you are slandered, those who revile your good behavior in Christ may be put to shame. These are the words of the Lord. Good morning, Howard Brown. Uh, once again, the pastor here at Christ Central Church. And... Um, We continue in our sermon series on loving your neighbor. And this is part two, a continuation, a sequel of sorts to last week's sermon on loving those who are worlds apart. What we saw last week in God's word was that those who do not believe in the Lord Jesus Christ for salvation We're not only worlds apart from what it means to be a believer in Jesus, but more importantly and terribly, worlds apart from God himself. We saw that God uses how believers live their lives as holy, obedient, and different to actually draw those who don't believe. But what happens when it works? What happens when, as we saw two sermons ago, as we're put in the public world showing and sharing with mercy and justice on this earth when people come? What happens when people are drawn and attracted by the love relationship between God and his people? Here's what happens. Believers share the gospel. They share their faith. They, here's that bad word again, evangelize. They hope to convert. 
people to the truth. They work and want to see people get saved. And then that's what makes them, those who live and wear their faith as a lifestyle and moral fashion statement, so-called evangelicals. That's also what makes many Christians scary and scared. It's what makes the world, according to, sometimes according to its own definition, feel condemned by Christians. Yet on the other side, Christians feel condemned too because they feel they have let God down by not sharing their faith or sharing it well enough. This evangelical mission thing seems to bring fear and hatred and insecurity and scrutiny and discouragement and division. Anything but love and feelings of love between believers and unbelievers and believers and what their own faith seems to call them to. This week I had the privilege to go to Trinity Episcopal School and they have this eighth grade project out of the religion class, of what do I believe? What I believe, right? And so I'm supposed to come in and hear their, their like, journey of belief and their resolution of belief, and they had little charts and all that kind of stuff, and actually ask them about their belief system. Now, I had the opportunity over two days to talk to about eight kids. And what was interesting about it is there was one Sin among all the belief systems, even those who claim to be Christians. One sin among those who said there was no God. One sin. And that one sin in this pluralistic, tolerant, forbearing world was, don't try to push your faith on me. The one sin was sharing your faith with the hopes that someone would convert. Don't try to convert me. Don't try to tell me your truth as if it is the truth. It is the height, right, of disrespect and deception, deceptive as a Decepticon, right? Because you were just my friend and you transformed to this evangelical machine church robot thing. And it is just socially immature. It's uncouth. It's uncool and ignorant, right? Makes you want to caricature the Christian faith. Y'all remember coming to America to preach it? Always showing up to event. I love the Lord, right? Hold on to God's hand. He'll help you get off the island. He'll help you get safe like he don't Gilligan off the island, right? All that craziness. We're afraid. We don't want to be him. So believers, we follow suit. They, believers get bullied and backed off and backed down, and they despise what they believe. They often run from condemnation and confrontation and simply just want to hide in the landscape. To be camouflaged in the mainstream, in the horde of silenced but friendly religion. But believers, 
This is what your Bible tells you. Love this world anyway by sharing the faith. Sharing your faith. Because first, God shares his love for unbelievers through the gospel. And secondly, because God shares his love for unbelievers through the testimony of believers. What is truly interesting in all this is that our most supernatural and perfectly loving neighbor, God, says to us that the gospel is about his love for an unbelieving world and broken and sinful people. Look with me at John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. And then look at our Romans passage. For while we're still weak at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person one would dare even to die. But God shows his love for us, in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Now, I think it is fairly clear what God, our neighbor, considers love. That unbelieving people, sinners, people who struggle with his being Lord, would believe and be able to believe in him and come to him and have a relation with him through the life, death, and resurrection of Christ. That he died to save a world of unbelieving and ungodly and sin-oppressed people and that that salvation, being made right and redeemed through Jesus, was and is God loving us. That God showed his love and shows his love through the gospel being shared and accepted and given to people. Now I put this very obvious scripture, and scripture's out there. So the believers would be reminded that the gospel, that the message of faith in Jesus Christ, of Jesus' death and resurrection, is what love is all about. That the gospel is ultimate love, superior love. That what God did in sending his son, Jesus Christ, is what all the love we broken human beings could ever know about and write songs about and base everything about. It is what it is grounded in. And it must be reiterated because the feeling, right, the pop story is that evangelism that is sharing the gospel, breaching that topic, hey, bringing up the name of Jesus, that what the gospel is about is anything but loving, right? That it is divisive, prickly, in a, deal, a, a, a divisive, prickly deal breaker, right? Have we so quickly and easily forgotten that God seeking to bring unbelievers to him, that God's reaching out to the ungodly, those without God, to those who have their own sense of comfortable sort of godliness, but sinful lives, again, is love. Evangelism, sharing of faith is an exercise of God's love for unbelievers, for good, but Jesus-less people. And so God has decided to share his love for unbelievers through the loving testimony of believers. Their implicit and explicit testimony. Now, we have primarily talked in past sermons in this series about implicit testimony to our neighbors, like being nice, being good, 
being helpful, being merciful, being holy, not being sinful, right? And, and, and an implicit testimony of God is what many of you believers might call lifestyle evangelism, right? Where you just live and it testifies to Jesus. And I think there's some truth in that. But let me tell you, as one himself who, who loves and has been freed and feeling not so pressured feeling, thanks to the implicit lifestyle evangelism, that more often than not, lifestyle evangelism is fear, self-protection based and not faith, love driven. We do lifestyle evangelism because we're afraid. And we don't want to look stupid. And we don't want to feel silly. Let's revisit the idea of lifestyle evangelism and implicit faith. Look back at our light passage we used in the last uh, two sermons in Matthew 5th chapter. This is what it says, beginning at verse 14. It says, you are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Now, what Jesus is calling his people to without doubt is an implicit faith, faith, right? A faith living that implies that and says, this person has been influenced by Good, right? By light, by some kind of truth, by right, some kind of good stuff, right? It is like how we refer to and talk about light in our everyday conversations. Like, what are those up there that are shining in my eyes? What are those in the ceiling we use to see in this place? Those are lights. In technical terms, I learned this with the building that we're doing and figuring out all the construction stuff that the windows that are put in doors and rooms are called lights. When you buy a light bulb or, or, or talk about an apartment with a lot of windows, it is implied that it will give visibility to look out and look in, that it is hooked up to some sort of power source. But this is what I want you to see and understand here, that the word implicit does not mean doubt. As a matter of fact, the definitions of implicit are, right, are capable of, of being understood from something else, though unexpressed, or involved in the nature or essence of something, though not revealed, expressed, or developed. And then the final definition really floored me. Being without doubt or reserve, unquestioning. You know what lifestyle implicit love of your neighbor through sharing of your faith means? It means that you, the believer, without doubt, have an unquestioning connection with the Lord Jesus. Look with me at, at our John passage. Again, Jesus spoke to them saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Because Jesus saved believers, they are undoubtedly, right, and unquestionably possessed and connected to 
the light itself. Christians are witnesses to the light of Jesus like a window is to the sun and a light bulb is to the filament and a light tube is to the lit dust particles. Jesus is the light. He is the fire. He's the fuse. He's the filament, right? Filling us. When Peter talks about believers being priests, do you know what that means? It means that believers face Right? The, with their lives, they face the brightness of God's holiness, that they face the glory of God's revealed face, and then turn that same face to the world, having captured and been captivated, like they have been burned and, and illuminated by the light, image, and love of God. And then they walk around in this world, burned and tanned and loved by God. And the world gets an implicit experience. It means the world is allowed and giving a chance to see the essence of Jesus without actually knowing him or knowing what they're looking at. But believers must make sure that the world around them are looking and seeing something implicitly without doubt that is Christ-like and Christ-light. Look at our Peter passage in verse 3. I mean, chapter 3. Verse 15 says this. But in your hearts regard Christ the Lord as holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you. Get this. Peter says here that you would regard Jesus as holy in your hearts. Do you know what that means? It means make Jesus big in your heart, right? That you deepen Jesus in your heart, that you turn up the light, that you open the blinds facing the sun, that you stretch your wattage to his love and light, that you, like a good priest, turn your life in worship and appreciation and gain of the gospel for yourself, that your life would be implicitly complicit with the truth of Jesus and the gospel, so that your life would be a shining implication of the right thing which is more than morals and being good, but God is saying that believers' lives will and should illuminate with the love and life of Jesus so that the world can see it implicitly on the outside looking in. I wish this was logical. I've used some logical thought like lights hooked up to filament and windows with the sun coming in. You know, you can use the S-U-N and S-O-N stuff, right? The sun shining through us. What the scriptures are talking about, though, when it talks about being a light, the light of Jesus, the light in the world, it is a supernatural happening. When you've been with Jesus and Jesus is in you, guys, according to the scripture, somehow your good works as one hooked up to Christ, as one who is the window of the gospel, somehow in your good works, even if you're doing the same good works as people who don't know the Lord, somehow in your good works, there is a supernatural drawing of people 
to you, to Christ in some way. Somehow God uses that. And I want to make this clear to you because I don't want you to think that somehow you need to leave here with steps one through five of being a good, implicit, testimonial light of the truth. You are just a mirror. What you do is, is simply the angling of the mirror. It's the shining of the glass. It's putting Windex on it, right? Then it says, sanctify Christ in your heart. Make holy. It's like you're, you're clearing the glass just right enough so the light of the gospel. Now, let me tell you what it also implies. It implies that you are not revealing your work. The gospel message, the love of God that you experience as believers are shining through in that is the thing. It is his power. It is his light that makes you lights. It is his love that makes what you do love. Okay, let me bring it and say this. Love your neighbor with the gospel by being in the gospel yourself. If you're a believer, and this is me, I'm probably the worst because I'm a professional Christian, right? I get paid to be a Christian. And I want to hide all the time. People want to talk about basketball? Yes, sirree. Where's the fear come from? You came to Jesus. You said yes, believers. Some of y'all came up in front of the church. Some of y'all walked the aisle at Billy Graham. Some of y'all walked the aisle at the Baptist church. Some of y'all walked, the, you said you wanted to sign up because you believe the love of Jesus. And all of a sudden there is fear that somebody's going to know. There is fear that your implicit testimony would lead to an explicit situation. You know, where the fear comes from? It isn't them. I don't think it's really them or your fear of rejection ultimately or, or in not having the right evangelism scheme. Well, Pastor Brown would just teach us EE. I took EE. I went door to door. Okay, we can do that. I used to do the tracks thing, right? I wore a Christian church, asked me about Jesus and all that. Well, I can give you schemes, man. I've been in a lot of them. It's that you and I have not been all up in the face of God. All up in the arms of God, right? All up in the gospel and love of God. And when you doubt God, the implicit testimony and love and light of Jesus grows dim. When believers, here, here's the problem, y'all. And when we spend more time in the dark with dark thoughts and dark entertainments and dark and doubtful, right, right, profane thoughts and words, when believers, God, I'm with y'all. When we spend more time online, or with the TV and gaming, more than they do in the Word. More time admiring and being cool with their unbelieving friends. More than being enamored by God and with their believing friends. The dark will seem more comforting than the light. Living incognito and hoping no one will see and ask will be more comforting because your life is truly not being comforted by the gospel. <laughs> 
It is so simple but difficult at the same time. If you want to love your neighbor through the implicit testimony of the gospel, walk in the light. In fact, the word in 1 Peter passage when it says be ready to give a reason for the hope, the word for reason is logos. The word, the living word, Jesus is our logos. Your faith and testimony of salvation is not hopeful without interaction in the logos. So lights of the light of this world, get in the word, right? Be with other believers. Inundate and saturate your life with the light and love of Jesus. Why? Yes, to glorify God, but be consciously aware. That your spiritual discipline, like your spiritual lives, and when I say spiritual lives, I'm again, I'm not trying to sign y'all up for some works-based thing. When I say your spiritual lives, I am saying your desperation and hunger for the truth of God should be driven by this. There are those around me that need to hear the truth, and I will not have the faith or ability or passion to tell them the truth if I don't have faith and passion for my Lord myself. If I don't believe that my Lord has passion and love for me. And let me tell you, we're human, so you know what that means? It don't come and stay. Sometimes our belief, sometimes, you know, the, 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 our standing in Christ stays, but sometimes the fire and passion of our Lord, because we're human beings, it comes and it goes and it dims and it's bright. In one moment, you're in a good conversation. Yeah, you're ready to show your faith. And then next week, you want to hide again. It's a constant lifestyle of implicit relationship with Jesus. But the love of God is not only implicit, it's explicit. Look at 1 Peter 2, 9 and 10 with me. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. What Peter is saying is that those who face God, believers, who are witnesses of the love of God, who experience, right, the life-transforming love of God, are called to proclaim the excellencies of God. Well, God was at his most excellent for human beings when he came to save them, right, to convert them to himself, to save them through Jesus. That is an excellent thing, y'all. I don't know if you knew it. But when God decided to save broken people, When God decided to come in Jesus Christ and die on a cross, that is an excellent thing. Don't you agree? That word for proclaim, here we go, is evangelize. To to bring a messenger, to bring the message, to let the word, the truth of Jesus be known out loud. And then 1 Peter 3 says it this way. Let's look back at that, verses 14 through 16 in chapter 3 of 1 Peter. But even you should suffer for righteous sakes, but even if, sorry, you should suffer for righteous sake, you'll be blessed. Have no fear of them, nor be troubled, but in your heart, see, here's the answer to fear. But in your hearts, regard Christ the Lord as holy, right? Lift them up, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you, yet do it with gentleness and respect, having a good conscience, so that when you are slandered, those who revile your good behavior in Christ may be put to shame. 
In other words, when people want to know the reason for that light, for your differentness, right? For when you say no and yes when you do, with implicit faith and belief, why? When your shine is questioned, when your glow touched them and it makes them feel awkward or condemned or judged, they want to know. If they want to know, rather, why you have to be so holier than thou, that believers should be ready to speak, to share the gospel, to tell them your testimony, to talk about how God loves you in Jesus Christ. And the two passages are saying the same thing in two different ways. Share your faith. The first one saying share your faith by directly talking about what the Bible says about the gospel. And then the second one is saying share your faith by talking about what Jesus did for you. What I want you to see is that both are the loving call of the believer. To share. To be so happy about Jesus that you say to someone, right? I don't think we're really happy about the Lord. I, I, I know that sounds all corny and all. I can't believe and let myself say that, right? I can't believe we're ha- not happy about Jesus. We're not happy enough to tell somebody else. Our faith makes us sad and contemplative and deep, right? But it doesn't surface. <laughs> He's saying that you engage and gather or go to on a mission to sell someone to sell someone to tell someone rather or a group in conversation and tell them straight up this is what the gospel means we are sinners and Jesus savior sinners that God so loved the world that unbelievers that he sent his son for us to be saved that the wages of sin is death but the gift of God is eternal life that while we're yet sinners Jesus did died for the ungodly or in more complex situations i know how those go when when someone asks you something about your life man you got a choice Why do y'all do this? Where do you go on Sundays? Why y'all always got to go there? Why y'all go in the community group? Why y'all got your baby baptized? Why'd you get baptized? What's going on? Right? It's going to come up somewhere. Hey, let's go, you know, let's let's go to this place. I ain't going there. Why? I don't want to go there no more. Well, what's wrong with you? Why don't you get an extra drink? You know, no, I'm not doing that no more. I need to keep my mind right. Well, what's wrong with you, man? You know, wh- whatever it is. You got a choice. I just, I, you know, it's just not healthy for me. That's not what you really believe. That may be like on the first level. Yeah, it ain't healthy. But you really believe Jesus changed my life. Ooh, that sounds so corny. And so loving. Why don't you believe saying that is loving? Why do you think it's only offensive? You didn't experience the love of Jesus? You either did or you didn't. You're either offended by Jesus saving you or you're not offended by Jesus saving you. Which one? I'm, uh, you know, I think there is some truth. We know when Jesus comes into people's lives, he tears them apart. Jesus loves to tear lives apart for good reasons and put them back together again. Amen? 
I think we're afraid, man. If they come to faith, you know what that's going to mean. Woo! And I also think we don't believe Jesus can handle them. Because I believe we think we're better. Some of us. Let me get back to this. <laughs> Some of you said, I mean, the Bible says do it with gentleness and respect. Which means you don't do it necessarily like the man on coming to America, right? Which means you share your faith under question of another that you are humble in it because you are not talking about what you did. See, here's the thing. You're not talking about you. Your sharing of the faith is talking about what Jesus did for you. Right? I think part of the issue is we get afraid that if we tell people about our faith, it'll make us look better than they are. No, but then you're not sharing the gospel. You're sharing something else. If you want to share that, go on Dr. Phila Oprah. Right? Go on the O Network, whatever. But if you want to share your faith, you're talking about the Lord Jesus and what he did for you. A sinner, someone who couldn't do it for themselves. You're not saying, hey, I'm so great, I chose Jesus, and he's working great for me. No, you're saying, Jesus found me. It's by the grace of God I'm here. I didn't know. Shoot, I was walking in darkness. And one day the light came, my eyes opened, and here I am. I'm sorry, you know, I'm not a theologian today. I can't explain everything. All I know is the truth that Jesus loved me and he died for me. You know, and, and, and I think simply, you know, talk about what God did to and for you and not about your righteousness and goodness. Otherwise, it will become a condemning battle of be good like me or you are not good as me stuff. But by all means, be explicit about God's love for broken and once ungodly people like yourself and them. I must tell you, I can't stand the radio or TV edits of anything, right? Like, like, I hate the Walmart versions. Now, I recommend, for the holiness of it, to get the albums and movies without the cuss words, okay? You heard that from your pastor, right? Get the Walmart version. Okay, let me move on. But what it does to the thing just hurts the music sometimes. Especially rap. You ever heard a rap song and they got a lot of editing in it because there's a lot of cussing in it? Like, man, this song's great. Whoop, 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 whoop. And the R, whoop, 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 whoop. I don't even know what the song's about. Obviously, the hit line was something extremely profane and offensive. And man, and, 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 you know, and, and then you ever watch the movie with the bad overdubbing and badly edited cuts? You got like Vin Diesel or somebody talking. Yeah, you know, I don't give a crap. You know, it's a high voice comes in. You're like, what? What just happened? This don't make sense, right? You're like, huh? Do you know what it means to share your faith to be used by God to share his love? It means to be the one who is the explicit. 
version, the explicit presentation of God, the director's cut of the song and story of redemption, that your life is the gospel that the world will want to Walmart or cut or censor, and that you would be tempted to edit down yourself because God the artist is too raw with his, right? But the Bible is saying that you believers should strive to be the director's cut, the explicit lyric album of God's message of love. And if someone opens you up, or if you get playtime, or get tampered, or viewed that out of and through you will come the unrated cut narrated with gentleness and respect, but heavy with cross-violent, undressing, shocking resurrection imagery and scandalous redemptive love by Jesus' obscenities. You are an explicit, presentation of the gospel and believers are and are called to be explicitly gospel in Christ Jesus centered in their conversations about the gospel and not themselves. Explicit sharing of the faith moves beyond what the light and the bulb and the window can be about and moves to the light himself, to the fire himself, to the love of God himself. It stops being implicit and more explicit. It is the naked curtain drawn in Jesus and the loving plan of salvation revealed. They just like you, must hear the explicit version of the gospel. Not the, hey, this is some good stuff. Let me tell you, I've been to Salt Lake City. Now, they got some bad things going on there with the kids they, that the Mormons like don't keep and all that stuff. But that's a good city. Y'all hear me? That place clean. The people are nice. They friendly. I'm not talking about trying to outgood anybody. I'm talking about there's no change in just being good, in just doing mercy ministry, or, or just bringing a loaf of bread to your neighbor, right? That's good. That's a start. That's a window. But light doesn't change darkness unless it explicitly comes in. That means you're going to have to say the word Jesus. And you might have to say cross. And you might have to talk about sin. And you might have to talk about the Bible. Isn't that how you came here? Somebody was stupid and brave enough to say it. You believers do this all the time. Now, I don't go on Facebook a lot, but I've seen y'all on Facebook. And I hear your conversation, I see and hear my own. When you talk about TV shows and music and movies and food and cars and the coolest, newest restaurant and saving money and great bands and YouTube and Vine stuff and Instagram and health stuff and juicing and shaking and smoothies and cleansing and fitness. Man, you people are explicit. The other day I was kind of convicted because, man, I watched this new show. I wanted to go to Facebook immediately. It was burning in me to let y'all know about this new zombie movie. 
I wanted to say it so bad. Oh my gosh, it's so neat. Please watch the zombie movie. Ain't gonna say nothing about Jesus though. We use every single format in our life to be explicit about what we truly care about. And what we truly think is healthy for us. We'll sign up our whole family for it. When I find a good deal, I let my brothers and daddies know. Why? Because I love them. Hey, y'all. Buy one, get front, run free ribs at Harris Tita. Get over there, they running out. I don't go, they got some good deals over there, dog. No, they got ribs. Get more ethnic. They got them crab legs, too. $7.99 a pound. I'm giving the exact price. Now, if you go there right on the bottom, I left one for you. I put it under a chicken. That's the best bag. They only have one left, so I put it behind the freezer. And, you know, I put it in the freezer behind the frozen peas, bro. Go over there and get yours now. We explicit. Do you love God? Does God love you? Did God love you by explicitly sharing his son, Jesus Christ? Love your neighbor by sharing with them the explicit truths of the gospel like you would a good craft bear, some of you. Invite them to church and community group like you would a viewing party or dinner or football game. Man, some of you in here who talk about loving God have only brought and invited yourself to anything dealing with the Lord Jesus Christ. Some of you have been alone up in here for years. You've had friends for years who don't know anything explicit about what the Lord did. But y'all cool. You like hanging with them. I don't like to do corny things. You know, see, I'm afraid of corny, right? My idol is not looking corny. But we like to get real explicit when, they go, when it's their funeral, though, right? What you going to do then? You went a whole lifetime, didn't tell them nothing about Jesus. What you going to say then? It's sad. I've been there. A family funeral, a friend funeral, and you didn't say nothing. But they watched the latest zombie movie, and they drank the smoothies you recommended. They got some good ribs. They don't know Christ. But you did? And you think that's loving? told this illustration before, but I'm going to go with it again. I might tell it five more times, too, while I'm the pastor here, so get ready. 
stories told about a Nazi concentration camp. And they weren't allowed to have scripture in there. And the men were losing hope. And there was one Bible that was smuggled in. And the story goes that one time during the day, through the crack in the wall of the concentration camp cabin, just a little shine of light would come into the darkness. It said that there was one man who was light enough, (laughs) and they would lift him up, and he would read just long enough, and then the light would go away. And they would lower him down into the darkness, and they would ask him, friend, what did you find out and read while you were in the light? What did you find? while you were in the light. If you're in Christ, you live in the light. It don't come in one part of the day. You are in the light. And in this country, you have the right to read all about the light as much as you want. And your friends, it's love to let them know what? Do you know one who walks and sees the truth in the light of God's love? It's a hard thing. I know, because you don't want to be pushy. It's harder in a place like the southeast city like Charlotte where it's all Christian-y. There's a lot of things been done to give Christ a bad name or church people bad names. but we can't help it. We live in the light. It's explicitly who we are. And out of love for God and love for neighbor, we share how it's been good to us and how it promises to be good to them. And bring those who are separated from the love of God, who are worlds apart from it, that message brings them to him. Let us pray.